Energy Current podcast, where we'll be exploring themes related to shamanism and energy healing. On this path, we surrender into the current, allowing it to guide and take us wherever is most needed for healing and empowerment. So join me, Kim Lottis, shamanic practitioner and spiritual therapist, as we step into the energy current and watch the magic unfold. So welcome to another episode of the Energy Current Podcast. I am very excited today. We have our first ever guest on the podcast. So Corey Rothermel is a shamanic practitioner based in San Francisco Bay Area. He has formal training in core shamanism, intuitive counseling, and parapsychology, as well as a background in writing, theater, and film directing. He sees clients both in person and virtually through his healing practice, modern shamanic services, and he convenes a private monthly gathering of practitioners called the Shaman Circle. This year, he'll celebrate his 29th anniversary with his husband, Douglas. So welcome, Corey. Hi, hey, Kim. <laughs> so nice to have you here. I'm excited Thank about you. seeing where this takes us today, and uh, I wonder if you might just share with everyone uh, the different animals that you shared with me that you have present with you right <laughs> now that, that gathered together. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I have little figurines scattered across my desk here reminding me of some of, some of the things that I want to have present with me here during this interview. Uh, I have crocodile right up here by the mic and crocodile is uh, the reminder to be still to uh, you don't need to fill every silence not everything needs to be said it's okay to wait for spirit to tell you when the, what's the next thing to say mother jaguar is here to watch over and protect me during this process because i can get my own way really easily and reminding me to settle down i have a great serpent here reminding me to allow myself to evolve and to change and along with that, I have my, my, uh, my spirit animal, Phoenix, which is the reminder to step up and transform at every opportunity. Yeah, I love that. I'm <laughs> just grateful that you brought all of that animal medicine in with you today. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I just want to start off by asking you to share your hero's journey with us. It's how you got to where you are today. And I think it's important to be able to witness each other and be able to share our experience of, you know, the path that we've walked and what we've been through and, and how that also can then inform the work that we offer. So whatever you'd like to share about your hero's journey. Sure. Thank you. Well, I think the initiation, uh, the first initiation in this process for me occurred at about 11 years old. I was raised in backwoods, Pennsylvania, and at night, the stars would be amazing because we didn't have a lot of uh, ambient light from the cities and stuff. So we, you know, the, the night skies were amazing. And on this particular night, it would have been in summer because I had the window open. And in my bedroom, my bed was pressed up against the wall. And if I slept with my head at the foot of the bed, uh, I could rest my head on the windowsill and I could look out and watch the stars at night as I fell asleep. And <clears throat> that night I was looking at all the stars over the tree line outside my house. And I, I saw something in the night sky that I just 
I couldn't quite pinpoint, what am I looking at here? It clearly wasn't a star and it wasn't a planet. It was clearly closer. It was inside our atmosphere, but it didn't have any of the characteristics of like an aircraft. Like it didn't have the running lights. It wasn't moving quickly across the sky or anything like that. In fact, it seemed like it was holding there, almost hovering in a way. I could see a little bit of movement, but mostly just hovering. And I was just like, this does not make sense to me. What am I looking at? And I started to puzzle on it. And I was like, what? How is it doing? All right. Maybe it's a plane that's coming straight at us. And so it is moving. But to me, it just looks like it's hanging there in the sky. And as I'm working that all through, just like that, it flew up into the, to the, to the night sky, into space, almost like a, like, a, like a falling star, but in reverse. Like it had a little light trail behind it. And it took up off into space. I have no idea what that was. You know, was it a UFO? Well, it might have been, but it was truly amazing. And it, it, it did a couple things, which was first, it ignited in me a spark of curiosity for everything that is the unknown that's on the edge of what we understand. Like I am into the things that we don't know. And more importantly, that I think it opened a door inside of me that said, perhaps all the things we think we do know, we don't know as well as we think we do. And that was really powerful. And I think that was a first step into everything. Incidentally, it's kind of a side note to that. My dad, years later, I had a conversation with my father and he confided in me that he and a family friend, a good family friend of ours, who I respect deeply, they both had an instance where they were together and saw something sort of in the same position over the the tree line that they couldn't explain either. So that was a really validating thing of like, well, none of us know what we saw, but we all saw something that we really couldn't explain that was truly unique. So I think that's a neat side note. Another thing that my father, (laughs) when I was little, he used to say, he used to tease me and say that I was found on a stump in the woods. And you know, he's being silly, but now looking back on that, I, I kind of claim that and I say, wow, that would make a lot of sense to me. Like, I, I kind of like that. That would, that would explain a lot because Pennsylvania, you know, in the seventies and the eighties, it was beautiful. There's, you know, it's lots of farmland, lots of woods, but in our area, it was, it's very isolated. And in many ways, when you travel there, it's not like you're just going to the equivalent time. It's like you step a little bit back in time. So the 70s, the 80s felt a lot like the 40s and 50s growing up in it. It was, it was a difficult place for a young gay kid to, to grow up. There was, the community was not tolerant, family issues that made it difficult. It was filled with trauma. Um, there was just no safe place for this kid who was different. The message was communicated, you are not welcome, you are not wanted. And that really landed inside of me. I, I, I was true to myself in that I was, I was different and I was fascinated by all different kinds of things. I, I loved religion. I, I loved going to Sunday school and learning the Bible stories and all that kind of stuff. And I loved the occult all at the same time. Like anything that was interesting and different was really cool. And, and I love the outside world. Like I loved hearing about Japan and in the seventies, the Egypt was everything. And I, 
I, I joke with my husband that like in grade school, middle school, like I would go into the, the libraries and I would get out books on say Egypt. And when I'd open them, they'd make that fresh spine cracking sound for the first time because I was the only one checking out any of these books. If it wasn't Dukes of Hazard, nobody was into it. <laughs> and so no one was on the same page with me. And that just really reinforced the sense of isolation, uh, you know, my own separateness. That was really hard. And it did improve, like, as I got further into my teens, I was never good at, like, denying who I was. And it was, now it was the mid-80s, the AIDS epidemic happened, people were very concerned, they were acting out from fear, uh, the Christian church didn't help and it was a it was a big loss of faith when like I discovered that there was not a, a, a chair for me at the table I was not welcome and so I went through my late teens angry and isolated rejecting God like if you're rejecting me then I reject you you know and I remember there was in my very very late teens there was an a, a night that was truly significant in that um, I just couldn't reconcile. I mean, I, I clearly got the message community. You're not wanted family, not wanted. And then there was this feeling of God. And I was just like, but I don't feel that from God. Like, I feel like I feel connected and I need to know what the truth is. And I literally, like, it was like two or 3 a.m. in the morning uh, and I ran out into our backyard and our, we had a huge backyard and it connected up to a wheat field that just went on forever up over a hill. And I ran out up into that. And in the night sky, I just shook my fist and I yelled out to God. I was just like, if you exist, if, if, if we're can I, I need to know this, I need you to send me a sign. And I know that that sounds ridiculous to like put a, <laughs> a, a demand on a moment like that, but I got a response right then and there as i as i finished saying i need a sign just then a falling star crossed my visual path and i i i know my mouth dropped out you know dropped open <laughs> and i remember i kind of joked to myself i was like well that i guess answers that but it did it really did and my faith has been strong since then i i know that the creator is is out there and i know that there's there's more and I'm connected to it, and I'm wanted in that way. It was a real threshold moment for me. Like past this point, I was, and I'm, I'm now in it. There's no turning back. It was, uh, kind of a funny sign that I was thinking about this, you know, as I was preparing for this, and I noticed a funny similarity that my initiation moment was a falling star that flew out into space. And my moment of connecting with the crater was a falling star falling to earth. I just thought that was, this is an interesting thing when you find those, those little synchronicities of stuff like that. <laughs> so, so after there, uh, I took off for college as fast as I could. I went to Chicago and then I transferred to uh, upstate New York. I went to Ithaca college and there I was studying uh, theater and I love theater and I love film. I love storytelling. Storytelling is a passion of mine. But, you know, truth be told, like in our theater building, housed in the same building at the bottom in the basement was the religion department. 
And that drew all of my attention. I wanted to take my classes. So I declared a minor in religion. And Ithaca was just so blessed with such a rich diversity of great professors in religion and, you know, great mystics. And so we had all kinds of classes. Like I, I took my first shamanism class. You know, we read Michael Harner's The Way of the Shaman. And then uh, I had a, one particular teacher who was amazing, Alice McDowell. Uh, she had us read Tom Brown Jr.'s The Vision, which was the story of a young man studying under Stocking Wolf, who was an Apache medicine man. And that book just shaped so much of my existence and my understanding of the world. Sim simultaneously, like I, I, I also needed to work to support myself through, through school. So uh, I was working on campus in the kitchens and I made friends with a cook was on staff and so like we always had a good time like when i'd have a shift we'd pick a subject and he'd love to talk about anything and we'd talk and one night like i had shared with him about my struggles sexuality acceptance and then he's just like have you ever heard of the bird ash and i was i i have i have no idea what that is what is that and, he, and just like that moment for the 11 year old looking up into the night sky the world opened up in a whole new way and he shared how you know, throughout indigenous culture, you know, throughout the world, in this particular case, he was referring to North America, the Plains Indians, that it was a common thing for them to have multiple genders, not just two, as we understand in modern day. And that, you know, there was a place for me, there was a role for me, like it wasn't just tolerated, it was you were a part. And it wasn't just you were a part, like you played a sacred role, you had your own functions in society. And discovering that this existed, even if it was just in the past, uh, you know, that was that was reclamation there. That was a reclaiming of like, I have a place, I belong. That was huge. He's just like, yeah, it's exactly as you describe yourself. That sounds like that sounds like what the bird ash is. And the term bird ash is actually that was a European, like condescending word because the you know the, the pioneers were coming over. And they're like, who are these guys who are in like half dresses? And like, they, you know, it was a bad thing. But in modern day, like the Native American cultures of the United States, they refer to it as two spirit um, because we have both the male and the female spirit present within us. On the LGBTQ plus spectrum, you might use the word non-binary. Like if I'm in a pinch, I use that for things, but two spirit is really the comfortable term. And as all that was happening on campus, uh, I met my my to be husband on the first day of class. Actually, which uh, class? It was an eight a.m. poetry <laughs> class, if you'll believe that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was weird because I transferred. I went. I was going to school in Chicago, and I and then I transferred to to uh, Ithaca, and I had a little bit of time off in between when I walked into the classroom, I was like, oh, this is kind of weird to be back in school, you know, after a little break for the first time, you know? And I looked around the room and I swear this is the truth. I looked around the room, I saw him and I said, that's the person I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with. Wow. <laughs> and, and we've been, it's, it's 28 years. We're going into yeah. our 29th year, yeah. And so uh, from there, uh, you know, we got together eventually and we moved out to California. He wanted to study uh, at JFK University in their consciousness department. He took a class from a gentleman named Lloyd Auerbach, which I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's, he's kind of a famous parapsychologist in the United States. 
you know, Doug said, you're going to, you'd really dig him. And so I got a chance to meet him and, and found out that he was teaching a parapsychology certification course at HCH Institute. And so that's what brought me to the Institute. I took the, you know, the class graduated, got certified. Can you tell us a little bit what, about what parapsychology is? Sure. Parapsychology is the study of whether or not the mind exists after death. And in a simpler term, it's, it's like the study of ghosts. So when you see like ghost hunters and stuff, if they're actually using scientific methods, they'd be a parapsychologist. Fun aspects of the class would be we would get, Lloyd would get phone calls of people who are having hauntings in their house. And we would go and study that. We would try, we would involve different practitioners to help. If there was something there, we would help them to cross the spirit over, help them great experiences, really fascinating work, you know, and, and people get really upset, you know, in those kind of situations, if they're really encountering something of the unknown, it was really nice to be able to help people with yeah. that. You know, yeah. I really enjoyed that. It was a great program. I then studied separately from HCH. I studied under a woman in, in Walnut Creek. I did intuitive counseling, which was another form of healing. And then uh, in 2018, my day job, I got laid off from my day job and I was like, eh, maybe before I leap into the next thing, I had, I had um, education funds left from, from work. And I said, you know, to my boss, I said, do you think I could apply this to my shamanic practitioner program? And she said, we'll make it work. And I was like, awesome. So I signed up for what would be the last shamanic practitioner training through the whole 18 months with the teacher at the time who is Greg Harper, who goes by the name Wilder, I felt so blessed to be able to go through the whole program with him. I graduated in December of 2019. I started seeing clients in February of 2020 in person. And then if you remember in March of 2020, the pandemic came and that uh, it was like grand opening, grand closing. You know? And I was like, no, what am I gonna do? I just did all this work to learn how to do this. And I, and I have some momentum and I don't wanna lose that. And you know, my fellow practitioners, they, they all said like switch to virtual, it works great. And I was like, really? And it did, it worked seamlessly. So I've been seeing clients ever since then. So that's sort of how I got to here. Along the way, I saw all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know you're a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> you probably can make a lot of parallels through that into shamanism as well, I'm sure. <laughs> but I love to sort of, well, one of the uh, premises, you know, is that our souls choose before we incarnate into our human form you know, what are the lessons we want to learn in this lifetime and what is it, where do we want to evolve towards? And I think in looking back at our journey to get to where we are, sometimes those moments that were the most challenging or difficult for, you know, that sense of not belonging, of not feeling wanted. And yet that that was almost needed for you to be able to do what you do now and to like arrive where mm -hmm. you are Absolutely. now yeah. and really looking at what I liked to in retrospect um, look back and kind of see those blessings and gifts that were given from those really challenging times mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so yeah thank you for sharing your journey to arrive here and where you are now and and I guess I, I should probably say too how we know each other 
we've actually never met in person. <laughs> You're right. We never, we've never oh, yeah. met in person. But, and so I, I took the same training with Wilder, but our paths didn't cross in that training. Yeah. So we both had the same teacher. And when the pandemic started, me and another one of our friends decided to see if other people who had done the training would want to get together on Zoom since we were all at home anyways to be able to connect with each other. And so in the shaman circle is how we we met and connected and our friendship has grown. So yeah, yeah that's, uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, we've never met in person, but I feel like, I, <laughs> I feel like we have. <laughs> and so you, you may have answered this somewhat in, in talking about your hero's journey, but maybe a little more specifically, how do you feel shamanism has influenced your life? Ooh, I, I think the influence, it, it comes from, shamanism is so great in that it connects you directly with the creator. You know, I, I think the early part of my story, the, the point of the, the trauma that I was going through and, and, and had to get to the other side of May isolated me and made me feel very disconnected from the creator. I think a lot of LGBTQ plus people experience that. Shamanism has now deeply connected me. It, in fact, like in the process of journeying, you connect, you know, with the creator in the work that we do. And it also engages the, the mystery. So like the things that like were right there from my 11 year old that uh, from the start was, I, I'm insatiably curious of the things that we don't know. And I, I get to connect with the creator. That's the huge, that's the biggest influence. But I, I think for everybody, I mean, all roads lead to Rome. So I think for, for everybody, it's just finding your mystical path that connects you to the big picture. We all, we all sort of get there in the end. For me, shamanism has been connected to the creator to the mystery but it's also through the natural world and i i so deeply connect with that uh, i love the the peacefulness of nature the the teacher of nature it's so graceful in how it it communicates to us everything we need to learn is always right there mm -hmm. you just have to take the time to slow down and participate and watch and you'll get your answer. But it really is. It's just about finding your mystical path. This is just happens to be mine. Yeah. And I love that you brought up nature and, and we were talking before we got started here. Uh, you had gone into journey space before we met and I had gone on a walk outside and we both sort of received similar messages about <laughs> blooming. I was seeing flowers blooming and all the, the blossoming happening and, and you had got that message in your journey too. And I feel like that's part of this path that is one of my favorite things is really the, the magic and the synchronicities of mm -hmm. things and how that those synchronicities really just are confirmation that yeah. there is that divinity out there that we are connected. What, what would you say are some of your favorite parts of being on this path? Well, I love the journey element of, of shamanism. I love that there's this way that you can engage the divine directly. You know, you're not, you don't need a middleman or you're not isolated waiting, you know, hoping that your message is heard, like just go talk to them. You know, that's, that is, uh, that really works for me. You know, um, in fact, 
I was thinking about this earlier and I was, I was remembering my very first journey. I'd forgotten about this. It was when I was back in, in Ithaca studying under Alice, she took us on a shamanic journey in one of the classes. And during that, I had this vivid experience. And in the end of it, I rode, and this is before I understood any of the symbolism of this. Like I rode a sea, on a sea turtle's back to an island in the ocean, stepped off onto the shores, and the Ascended Master Christ came and greeted me and with open arms and, and then held me tight remembering my journey that like feeling the rejection of Christianity and uh, the, the unwantedness from the community in that to have a mystical experience like this first journey where I encountered Christ and welcomed with open arms. Mm -hmm. That was super powerful. And it was a big reminder of like, again, everything we think we know isn't necessarily how it is. We are loved we are all loved no one no one no one's chipped out on that i i, I love that I, I love i hold that so dear to me mm -hmm. that in that way that was another reclamation i got i got if i wanted to continue any relationship with christianity it's not exactly my thing but teachings of christ right. he's a profound you know, mm -hmm. those are amazing things i get to keep that that's great mm -hmm. i love how because you've touched on a few times kind of like the mystery and a lot of times I, I feel like people want answers or they want to know, you know, what's right or wrong or good or bad. And, and for me, part of this path is really staying open to and kind of and being that beginner's mind that you don't, we don't know everything and, mm -hmm. and what's meant for you is right for you. And what's meant for me is right for me. And what that, that there's not it takes away that aspect of kind of like, well, you're right and I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it's just each person is here on their own path and journey and letting go of, of judgment has been a big part of my practice, mm -hmm. I think, through this. And yeah, just stepping into that really just curious place of, of wondering what's going to happen and what's going to, we don't know everything. And yeah. so I love yeah, that that kind of, for you, has been present throughout, mm. you know, being in that space of just like wonderment. I think too, like, building off of what you're saying, from my experience with clients, for me, the thing that I've had to learn, and, I, and I'm still learning, is getting out of the way, just as you're saying, like, everybody has their own journey. And we don't know everything, but we do have access to the sources that can help you most effectively, which is like your own higher power, your own connection to the divine. Good shamanic practice practitioner is a good listener. And it's learning to ask the right questions and helping the person get to those realizations, those connections with their divine self that ha can see the map ahead can see the road ahead and says this is where you need to go this is what our journey is about mm -hmm. learning how to do that effectively is is uh it's a skill <laughs> you know like it's 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 a it's it's a hard thing to do when you have those moments where it it connects and you really are able to have, have the person 
come to the realization themselves that's that's magic you mm-hmm. know that's the most wonderful thing because because they are now empowered and mm-hmm. and they are connected with it and they're so much more likely to follow through with it then yeah and i really i mean that's part of what i love about this path and i think you're yeah just hitting touching on a really important point of our work isn't for us to do something or fix something or anything like that it's really to help others connect to their own wisdom within to their own divinity to their own creator mm-hmm. source and yeah i love that that and empower them so that they know they have access to this as well you know at any yeah. time and that they can tap in and receive their own answers yeah. um, and it can be hard it can be it can be hard because the instinct to want to help mm-hmm. can can propel you into like offering your opinion on something that like no this this didn't actually this is not going to help this is your experience this is your journey and and you know maybe there's something of value there but you have to learn how to rein that in like I said, I'm still, I'm still very much in the learning process of that because my instinct is always want to help, but the best help comes from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you say your uh, practice has evolved over time personally or professionally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was, I mean, just learning to be comfortable with people as like just sharing some of my own hero's journey, sharing how uncomfortable I have felt in my life with people because I I got it instilled in me as a, a young child that I don't fit. I don't have a place. I'm not wanted. There's a part of me that always rejected that and knew that that wasn't true. But then there's also that that belief that you that learned belief settles into you. And so it's a struggle. And it really comes up when I ha- when I interact with other people. I really find at times I can have an awkwardness to me that like, oh, when I when I see it, then I panic because I'm like, oh, it's here. It's going to mess everything up. Yeah. So starting to see clients was, you know, has been an evolution of learning how to not only just get out of my way with letting them uh, have the experiences that they need to have in relationship with spirit. But also me healing and learning to slow down and being like, you are fine, Corey. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to to take care of everything. You don't need to validate your existence. Mm -hmm. You know, you are equal. You are here. You are fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hard lesson to learn. Takes time to evolve. I'm still on that path. But getting comfortable with people has been a big thing. I think learning to, to connect and trust spirit and, and here I constantly taking classes, constantly trying to learn more, improving ways that I prepare for a session has been a thing that has changed. And now before I do a session, I generally do a journey for that session to try to get insight going ahead. I find that that is really helpful. I, I may get just some little nugget of information that in the course of that session, like just hold on to this one thing mm-hmm. and boy if it doesn't pay off like every time like it was the thing the person needed it's just sometimes sometimes you you know you get a clear message and sometimes you'll get you know i just had a session recently where the the message that came through was i was shown a stone wall in ireland like a like a little dividing wall for a farm for keeping sheep separate or something like that and part of the wall had crumbled 
And that was the message I got. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know what this means. You guys have to be clear. You have to give me a clear answer, you know? And so like, there's the discernment process. There's the figuring out process. It, sometimes it goes really easy. Sometimes it goes, you're, you're stumbling with it, but, but I find the preparation to be really, really useful. And that's sort of new for me in the last few months as I've evolved is that preparation. I love that idea too. I'm, I might have to borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just as you're talking to it, it's making me think of, you know, in our training program, part of what we do are, illuminations on certain say core beliefs or woundings that we have from our past. So we're working through the process of healing ourselves and then how that, like you said, it's like, it's, it's not that it necessarily happens overnight, but that it's like the awareness around for you, since we're talking about like of not belonging, but that you can recognize it, that you can soothe yourself around it, that you can, you know, see it coming up and know how to work with it, I think is also one of the gifts of this practice. And then being able to offer that to other people in turn and, and help them to recognize. And I always say, you know, like awareness is kind of the first piece to being able to change anything is you have to be aware of it. And then, you know, maybe bring in some tools or, receive the messages from spirit and allow that to just help with, with the healing process. Yeah. You had, uh, we, as we were getting set up to do this interview, we were uh, talking and I, I said in one of your previous podcasts, you had shared a practice that you had done that I, I think I even texted you the moment I heard it, like on the podcast, I was like, this is awesome. I think this is amazing when I adopt this. And as my gift to myself for Valentine's Day, I started doing it. And it, what you had shared was connecting with your inner child and doing a series of affirmations on a daily basis for one year where you're communicating with that part of yourself. The words we use are, I love you. I'm sorry this happened to you. This wasn't your fault. You're safe now and I'm here for you and I'm going to be here for you. And I've added one additional, which one is, and I'm really grateful you're here. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that now every day since Valentine's day. And I'm just at the beginning of the effects of it, but I can tell like how that's slow. It's reaching that, that, that part of myself that didn't mm -hmm. feel safe and, and uh, got bad messages put into it. And so I thank you so much for that. That was you right there, literally like sharing in your podcast and I'm picking it up and bringing it back to you. You know, like it's yeah, the wonderment yeah, of all I of love it. <laughs> So I good. Love it. So good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, is there an offering that you would like to share with us today? Oh, sure. Uh, I was thinking a lot about um, the practice of learning to get in touch with your higher self as, as a way to get your information going on. And, and as practitioners, we are always happy, happy to help in the facilitation of that. But there's things you can do at home that uh, can help you connect with that as well. And I, I recently heard this technique in two different forms and I've kind of hybridized them here. One, one called it self-counsel and another one referred to it as two-way journaling. But essentially, it's going to be uh, communicating with your higher self to gain insight and information into a question that you're having. Mm 
So what I'm going to ask everybody to do is, uh, if you'd like to try this, I want you to get a notebook or journal and something to write with. And you can hit pause if you need to for a moment. We'll be back when you get here. And now that you have that, uh, we're going to start the process of communicating directly with your higher self. And to do that, we're going to come up with a question. I want you to think of something that you truly want to have some information on, something important, mm -hmm. something maybe that you're wrestling with, that the insight would actually uh, help and inform your life. Avoid anything like along the lines of want or an idle curiosity, something that's actually going to make a difference in your life. And then I want you to write that question in your notebook or your journal. And after you've written that, I'd like you to get comfortable in a seated position. And then close your eyes and go within. Breathe deep. Doesn't that feel good? I love to breathe deep. It makes my body so happy. And as you breathe deep, breathe in to a count of seven. Breathe in, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then release to eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And repeat, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is a simple mind hack you can do. The act of breathing in and then exhaling it a little longer than the inhale actually has an effect on your mind to slow you down and center yourself. It's a thing you can easily do when you're in a meeting, when you're in a confrontation. Just focus on the breath for a moment and center yourself. And then I'd like for you, with your mind, to reach out to your higher self and ask for it to join you. Tell it you are seeking its help. And then state your question that you wrote in your notebook or journal. State that question clearly. And now here's the important part. I want you to pause and empty yourself. Allow the question to just float there between you. And it's in that pause and that waiting is where you're going to hear the higher self respond. You may also hear the human mind, the gorilla mind, as we call it, it might try to fill in that emptiness and talk because there's silence and it's uncomfortable with it. 
but you will also hear that higher self answer your question. The two will have a different flavor to one another. And that'll be a, a, a tool you'll use to discern with what you're getting. The higher self may offer an answer that you would have never thought of. That's a good indicator. And if you get an answer and it's not a clear one, simply restate the question or the need again and pause. Wait for that response. And once you get that answer, take a moment to just sit with it, process it, allow it to integrate into you. And thank the higher power for its assistance. And then begin to slowly return to yourself. Feel your body reconnect. And when you're ready, very gently, open your eyes and allow them to adjust to the light in the room. And then while it's fresh with you, journal what the answer response was. Write it all down. And you may notice you're getting more stuff that's coming. That's part of the process that can happen. Just keep going, write it all out. And if you get to the end of that and you're left with something that you need clarified, just repeat the process. This is a wonderful way to have an ongoing dialogue with your higher self on the questions that you have in your life. You may be amazed at the information that you'll get back, things you never thought of. And that is self-counsel or two-way journaling, as they call it. I hope you enjoyed. That was a beautiful practice. Thank you, Corey. You're welcome. Yeah. And just, yeah, such a, again, like simple way to just tune in and, and yeah, receive your own counsel, right? <laughs> and receive those messages and, and particularly, like you said, I love when it, something comes in that's maybe unexpected or that you are like, oh, I wasn't, wouldn't have thought of that. And that's kind of where it's like, okay, that's. Mm, go with that. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know we're getting nearing our end of our time here. So I really just want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your voice with us today really grateful to you for being our first guest here. <laughs> I'm so honored. Thank you. I love your podcast. I think you're creating something amazing here. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited. Corey is going to be assisting with the upcoming training program, the sacred unfolding. And so 
we're going to continue working together. And I'm really excited about that too, to just see where this all takes us. So thank you so much to Corey and to all the listeners. Thank you for being here with us today. And until next time, have a wonderful week. Blessings to everybody.